Welcome to this episode of Take 15. I'm Len Costa, a director at CFA Institute in New York. I'm joined today by Michael Mobison. He is chief investment strategist at Leg Mason Capital Management and the author of three books, including, most recently, Think Twice, Harnessing the Power of Counterintuition. Michael, thanks for joining us. Len, great to be with you. Let me start off with the question about quantitative and analytical skills. This is, of course, um, a centerpiece of the CFA program. Based on your work on decision-making and your analysis of this concept of counterintuition, are strong technical competencies, in fact, a, um, a value-add for financial analysts? Uh, Len, I would say yes, uh, but it's probably necessary but not sufficient. Okay. And there's a great line from Seth Klarman, the well-known value investor who sure. the founder of Baupost Group, and he says, value investing is the marriage of a constra- contrarian streak and a calculator. And I just love that line. But when we think about the quantitative component, to me, that's the second part. That's the calculator. And at the end of the day, what that means, to me at least, is as an investor, you're always looking for differences between fundamentals and expectations. And those are two really different things. Mm -hmm. So fundamentals, for example, for a stock would be the performance of the company, sales, growth rates, cash flows, returns, so forth. And expectations would be what is embedded in today's stock price and obviously how you make money is the difference between the two. A lot of that stuff is analytical. Now, the second part, why I say it's not sufficient, is the contrarian streak part, right? Which is um, a big part of being a successful investor is uh, psychological and behavioral. And often, when the crowd goes off in one direction, strongly one way or another, uh, every fiber in your body wants to go along with it. So uh, I like the way he says it because you don't want to be a contrarian for the sake of being a contrarian, because sometimes the crowd is right, (laughs) <laughs> if the movie house is on fire, by all means, run out the door. But by the same token, uh, when, when the crowd goes off on one tangent or another, that's when you want to be behaviorally set up to take advantage of it and then bring in your analytical capabilities. And so it's necessary but not sufficient to be a great investor, I would, I would argue. You've also argued that uh, using a variety of, of mental models from dis- different disciplines is key for the financial analyst. Um, but a lot of folks might also say that diversity of thought is not necessarily going to lead to, to success. H- how would you respond to that observation? So the first thing I would say is um, expertise or specialization has its role in the world, right? Um, if you have a plumbing problem, by all means, call a plumber, right? He or she will be specialized to take advantage of that or uh, correct that problem. But for complex problems, of which the world of business and finance and investing, I think, would certainly qualify, uh, I think a lot of the evidence shows that diversity is much more valuable. And uh, there's a great line from Charlie Munger, which I love to repeat, to uh, a person with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Right? If you have one tool in your toolkit, uh, you're going to have a very difficult time uh, uh, having the proper context to solve lots of different problems. Contrast that with having a full toolkit with all sorts of different tools. So then when you're faced with a particular type of problem, you can pluck the right tool. And that does require having a full uh, panoply of mental models from from different disciplines and to to constantly feed those models and improve them over time. Uh, Just to play devil's advocate, can't those models, though, sometimes be remarkably similar? And and wouldn't that then lead still to potentially to myopic uh, decision-making? Yeah, and in fact, I think that, that there are intersections between these models. Uh, different fields use um, different language to describe a lot of the same things. 
Um, but the, 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 the doesn't, I, I don't think it undermines the, the value of those. Um, I'll give you one example. You think about uh, epidemiology. How do diseases spread? Right, if you think about the core models typically have two components. One component is the degree of interaction, so how often the infected person bumps into somebody else. And the second is basically susceptibility to d disease. If you bump into this person, what's the likelihood you're going to get it? Well, that basic framework, which, which again is a core epidemiology model, could be applied, I think, very fruitfully to things like the diffusion of technology. So how do people get iPhones in their hands, right? How does that, how does that diffuse? It's actually the same kind of process. And then ultimately for us, of most relevant, um, stock market, fads and fashions, booms and busts. Um, how often do you bump into the problem and then how susceptible are you to buying into the basic consensus? So um, I think those ideas can, can transport from discipline to discipline and can be fruitful, uh, no question. And what about the economies from specialization? Is it possible, in other words, to capitalize on your diversity of thought model uh, and still use a team approach? Yeah, in fact, I mean, there's a lot to be said for a team approach, but it's very important to be able to manage the team properly. And a couple, a couple things that I would say that are really crucial. Um, number one is you want to make sure that your team is cognitively diverse. Um, by the way, when we talk about diversity in organizations, we almost always talk about social identity diversity, so age and gender and, and, and so forth. And that stuff is important. I don't want to dismiss that. But really what you're after in problem solving is cognitive diversity. So, so, so sometimes social identity diversity is a proxy for it, but they really are uh, quite distinct things. So you want the diversity. The second is you need proper leadership. And what a proper leader does is a subvert, subverts his or her own views for a time, makes sure that they extract the information uh, from all the different participants on the team, and then go through a process to make quality decisions. So this idea of on, uh, surfacing ideas and making sure that you're doing that effectively, vetting those ideas for the quality, and then ultimately deciding. So, so I think teams can be very valuable, but the way most, for example, investment committees are run or most you know, general teams, um, often suboptimal in how they're actually uh, are managed. Your book also uh, explores the fact that most forecasters have a, a fairly miserable record. Um, is successful forecasting really just doomed to failure? And, and if it is, what, what's the alternative? Great question. Um, I think the best work that's been done on this is by a psychologist at Cal Berkeley named Phil Tetlock. And he wrote a book about a half dozen years ago called Expert Political Judgment. And I, I love this book, and I think every citizen of the, of the world should be aware of its findings. Here's what Tetlock did. He, he gathered hundreds of experts, about 400 experts. And these, when I say experts, masters, PhD level folks. And he asked them to make specific predictions on political, social, and economic outcomes. And, he, and this is now comes out to tens of thousands of specific predictions over a long period of time, over 15 years. And then he did something that wasn't too friendly. He actually kept track of their performance. And it turns out those experts are very poor predictors by and large. In fact, simple extrapolation algorithms do almost as well as the experts. So that uh, paints a very, by the way, when, when presented with the evidence of how poor they are, the experts do the, the same thing the rest of us do, is they, they set up all their psychological defense. You know, If it had just gone this way instead of that, I would have been right. But he did find two things that were statistically significant, which I'll share and I think are very interesting. The first was the more frequently a pundit was mentioned in the media, the worse his or her predictions. So almost by definition, the people that you're seeing uh, on TV or reading about in the press are actually the worst predictors when you actually 
uh, submit them to the test. But the second thing, going back to our prior discussion, was uh, he distinguished between two types of thought. Um, those people who he called hedgehogs, this is the Isaiah Berlin thing, hedgehog is, I know one big idea and everything in the world fits into it, and we all know these people, often political hedgehogs. And then the foxes, the people that know a little bit about a lot of different things. <clears throat> and when he actually studied those modes of thought, he found that the foxes were better predictors over time, in part because they don't get wetted to any particular point of view. Now, the, the, the hedgehogs have their 15 minutes of fame, right? If you're a boomster or a doomster and the market goes up or down a lot, you, know, you will be in the spotlight for some time. But over time, in terms of navigating, the foxes tended to do better. And by the way, foxes are not very fun for the media because when they get on TV, they'll say, on the one hand, it could do this. On the other hand, it could do that. You know, so it's, it's fairly equivocal, which is not, not interesting TV viewing. But uh, I think that's a very important lesson that ties back into the, the importance of cognitive diversity. Great. Well, a final question. What would be your advice for the specialized financial analyst that wants to broaden his or her skill set? Yeah, I do think it's important, obviously in the world of investing in particular, that we have certain foundations that everyone has to have. And the CFA, by the way, CFA Institute has been fantastic in advocating for those things. So quality financial statements analysis, accounting, ethics, and so everyone, this is sort of the ante to play the game. But to me, to really take it to the next level, there are a couple things that are essential. One is to make sure that you're paying attention to some, the, the world beyond just the uh, finance and investing. So that means, to me at least, reading widely across different domains. And I, I take a great heart from many great investors like Charlie Munger or uh, Warren Buffett, who will tell you they spend four, five, six hours a day simply reading. Shades are down, light is on, phones are turned off, and they're simply reading and taking in information. The second thing I would say is it's very important to think about the behavioral aspects and the temperament aspects. I think what allows good investors to be great investors is not that their spreadsheets are finer or what have you, but rather they have the proper temperament to make good decisions, especially in the face of stress or adversity. So understanding how we tend to make poor decisions um, and, and weaving into a process tools and techniques to mitigate that, I think is the other key component. So read and, and diversify your thinking, uh, working off your specialization foundation, and then uh, mitigate your potential decision-making errors. Michael, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us, and thank you for watching this episode of Take 15. Copyright 2011, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.